0: Let's take our Bibles and turn to Proverbs chapter 9, Proverbs chapter 9. We are in the book of Proverbs in our evening, and we've now got a foundation for the book and the things that we've been studying, hopefully by now, if you've been with us. And I'd like to begin by reading tonight Proverbs chapter 9 and verse 10. We saw that verse last week as well. Nine ten. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Let's pray. Our Father in God, we do delight in being able to come here tonight. We delight in being able to learn how even as we listen to testimony, how you have us care and share the gospel, how you have us pray for one another, how as you use our lives and the things in our lives, it impacts others in the body of Christ to help us all mature and be able to be used by you in a greater way to serve. And Father, we pray tonight as we continue in this particular topic that is so important for us to understand We pray, Father, and ask that you would help us, indeed, not only to understand the topic, but, Father, to be able to apply it, to be doers of the Word, and that, Father, as we learn more of yourself, we might learn to walk in the fear of God. We just commit our time to you with thanksgiving. pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. All right, what does the fear of the Lord look like is the title for tonight's message. Uh, We've been talking about the fear of the Lord uh, and a couple of things I want to remind us about uh, as we deal with the fear of the Lord. We noted last week a few things and first of all, I want to remind us that it is a unit. You don't understand the fear of the Lord by studying the word fear and then studying the word Lord. While you can learn aspects of that and learn things about it, Uh, And especially as Bible students, that's a typical way of studying things. It is an expression that goes together and is to be understood as a unit uh, that God is talking about the fear of the Lord all as a unit. We also noted last week, starting right off, that the motto for the book of of Proverbs is found in the very beginning of the book in verse 7 that we've seen over and over. But I want to remind us that that is the starting point for everything. Whatever the fear of the Lord is, it is the starting point for knowledge. It is the starting point for wisdom. It is the starting point for instruction. You don't have knowledge if you don't have the fear of the Lord. You don't really have wisdom if you don't have the fear of the Lord. And to have the fear of the Lord, in this verse, we see it and we'll see it again tonight as I come to it. I made the connection, in order to have the fear of the Lord, or a proper fear of the Lord, you have to know who He is. You can't have the fear of the Lord if you don't know who He is. You say, well, I fear Him. What do you fear about Him? I don't know. I don't know what He's like. Uh, I don't know whether He's a judge, I don't know whether He's loving, I don't know whether He is. that, That is not really fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord comes, and you see that connection right here. It is to understand His person and character. The first part of the verse is the fear of the Lord is the beginning, we've seen that, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding, the knowledge of Him. I need to have knowledge about Him. I need to know what He's like to properly fear Him. I need to know what His character is like. I need to know who He is as a person. We talked about that last week. As we came to a definition, let me remind you what we have learned, because I do feel that Too often, the fear of the Lord is misrepresented, particularly by professing believers. The fear of the Lord, as we look through scripture in several passages, is both, number one, an awe and reverence, or a reverence and respect for his person and his position. Without question, that is part of the fear of the Lord. It is to stand in awe just of who he is. To stand in awe because God is God. To stand in awe because of the person and nature of God. He's eternal. He's omnipotent. He's omniscient. (coughs) All of that ought to cause us to stand in awe. That's part, one aspect of the fear of God. However, it is also, and I think Isaiah, for example, even used the word dread, The fear of the Lord is also a dread. It is also a fear of disobedience to who he is because of who he is. There is a dread. And I remind you again, we know the passages. He's our savior, praise the Lord. We don't have to fear condemnation, praise the Lord. But you will still feel, uh, still see, let me give you just one example tonight. You will still see even people like John, who is the last writer that I know of to be used of God to write the New Testament. He was the last one, and when he appeared before God, a God appeared before him, Jesus Christ, in that appearance, he fell as dead. He didn't look at him as a buddy. And you will find that throughout Scripture. You will see even the soldiers, when they really understood who Christ was, they fell back. They didn't come, and I could use other examples as well. And in Scripture, you will see that throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament and in the Proverbs and in the Psalms, it also uses the concept of the fear of the Lord as a dread because he is the supreme judge. And as I said last week, that is missing this aspect, I really believe, is one of the reasons why Christians aren't afraid of the uh, beamer. Let's, yeah, i got to stand before the Lord and give an account, big deal. Really? You don't understand what the fear of the Lord is. You don't understand what the fear of the Lord is. They must be taken together. Maybe it's a poor illustration for you. Maybe you're struggling with that in your mind. But let me put it to you this way. If you can explain to me how you can say that God is love and not talk about his justice, I tell you, you haven't got the God of the Bible. If you can tell me you're going to talk about the God of justice and not talk about his love, you don't understand the God of the Bible. Because God is love. God is also ultimate judge. And he's given the judgment to Christ. Those are both part of his character. They are part of his essence. They are part of his nature. They are part of who he is. He is. It is the same thing with the fear of the Lord. We respect him, yes, and we stand in awe. We should. Our mouths ought to drop open, so like the psalmist, what is man that thou art mindful of him? I thought of that when Deb gave her testimony. To see mountains and to see this magnificent creation around us ought to make our mouth drop and say, who in the world are we that God would even think of saving us, let alone creating us? But at the same time, going along with that, there is a fear of the awesome position, the judgment of God, even though we don't have that condemnation and that dread, and even Isaiah cried out for that and, and spoke about it. So all of that is involved in the fear of the Lord. And as we're going to see regarding obedience, for example, that is why you don't want to disobey. It's just like a parent, although it's a very poor illustration. Children, I just came uh, from my home, obviously, before coming here. But we have all the family coming in and whatever. And some of them arrived. And I was thrilled. I almost didn't want to come, to be honest with you. but. I have a responsibility, but it was just—I had two of my grandchildren just cuddling up next to me, and I was eating it alive. Uh, I was uh, just—in fact, uh, the parents were saying, "Wow, they don't even cuddle up like that with us." You know, whatever. Too bad I got them. You know, uh, I was having a great time just because they just had gotten here, and I just was—I didn't want to leave them, and 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 having—and they—I can see that there's a love and there's a respect, let's say, for a grandparent and so forth. Well, and they hopefully have that for their parents, and they do. But also, you know growing up, there were, I know when I, I was in an unsaved home, uh, when it came to discipline, I didn't care what my mother did. When my dad came in and he was exercising discipline, I was terrified. You think I'm kidding? I'll give you one quick story, true story. I, I had killed my mother's favorite bird unintentionally, but I did, I killed it. I mean, she talked to this thing, that walked on her hands, it did everything, and I killed it. When my dad came in, he found that he couldn't find me. And the reason he couldn't find me, and I'm not exaggerating, I don't know how many hours it was, but all afternoon, we had an old bed with springs on it, and there were two metal bars, and I kept underneath that bed, hidden up on the bars with my back up against the springs. I kept falling down. i get back up all day long. And when my dad came home, I saw his feet, and I was up there. I was terrified. And, and what I'm saying is there was a fear because he's responsible also. He doesn't just love me. And I can remember just getting into the hands of my dad and just just clinging to him. But I can also remember that, ooh, when it came to judgment, I feared it. And that's what I'm saying. That's all part of the fear of the Lord. And we need to understand that to have the proper balance of what it is. Two more things I want to mention to us before we actually come to what I've titled tonight, and I knew I was going to cover them, but I'm only going to touch upon it briefly so we understand it. Let's ask this question before we get into what does it look like, and that is who is to really fear the Lord? Who is to really fear the Lord? That's a very simple question, and I'm going to go out of Proverbs to actually answer that. As I have already demonstrated to you, the fear of the Lord is found from Genesis to Revelation. So let me just go back to Psalm 33 for one minute. Go with me. Psalm 33. By the way, what's the answer? Yep, you got it. Everybody. Why do you think God says it's the fool that says in his heart that there is no God? Psalm 33, verse 8. Let what? All the inhabitants, right? All the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world, just in case we don't know what all the earth means. All the inhabitants of the world, what? Stand in awe of him. Everyone in God's creation, Since he is creator, all creation, and by the way, that is true. The winds obey his voice. The trees obey his voice. There is no insect that can turn around and disobey God, as foolish as that sounds to you. Okay, there's that respect. He is, listen to me, he is Lord of all. Whether or not people recognize it, one day they will. And one day they will recognize that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. He is judge of all, ultimately, and will be. Great white throne, judgment seat of Christ, all judgments committed to the Son. And thus, all the inhabitants of the world are called to fear him. Are your neighbors called to fear him? The answer is yes. Is an atheist, quote unquote, called to fear him? Yes. Because they're an atheist, does that change things? No, they just show their foolishness. Very simple. So everyone is called, called to fear him. What is that? Stand in awe of him, and also to fear his judgment. And if people did that, God could work, obviously, in their life, even in calling them. He's got ways to do that anyway. And let me give you one other thing that I wanted to mention, the second one very quickly. All right, we're all to fear the Lord. And as Christians, we know that. We want to walk in the fear of the Lord. We're supposed to fear the Lord. How often are we to fear the Lord? What do you think? All the time. Go back to Proverbs 23. Proverbs 23. I want you to catch this. How often are we to fear the Lord? So we have somewhat of a definition of what the fear of the Lord is like. We have this groundwork that's been laid on the fear of the Lord. <clears throat> we know everybody's supposed to fear him, and we know how long we're supposed to fear him, right? Yes, we do. Proverbs 23, verse 7. For as he thinks within himself, so is he. Um, that is not what I wanted. 23:17. thank you. I forgot the one in front of my note. Thank you very much. It's 17, yes. Do not let your heart envy sinners. We'll come back to that one later. But live, walk, be in, same concept, the fear of the Lord, how often? Verse 17. Always. And honestly, the literal translation of that Hebrew word is all day long. That's what it means. Always. All day long. How are we to fear him all day long? You say, obviously, Pastor Dan. Wait a minute. Stop. Do we just fear the Lord when we're at church? Think about your private life. Do I fear the Lord when no one is around but me? And no one else can see what I'm doing? Am I walking in the fear of the Lord then? When your parents aren't around, there's not too many kids here, but when your parents aren't around, are you walking in the fear of the Lord then? When you're at school, are you walking in the fear of the Lord then? When you're at work, are you walking in the fear of the Lord then? When you're in the doctor's office, are you walking in the fear of the Lord then, or in the fear of the doctor? Should be the fear of the Lord. Okay. All day long in our private life, in our public life, in our family life. In our work life, in our social life, in our entertainment life, all day long we are to walk in the fear of the Lord. No wonder we find everybody quotes 1 Corinthians ten thirty one. Therefore, whether you help me, eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all do what all. Do what? All to the glory of God. Doesn't matter. I'm eating in the fear of God. I'm drinking in the fear of God. Whatever I'm doing, my conversations, in the fear of God. This is foundational, but now we'll take a look at what it's going to look like, but it's all foundational. A Christian doesn't just turn on the fear of God that, you know, for four hours I fear God, the other part is mine. All his creation is to walk all the time in the fear of God, standing in awe. And that is absolutely, I really personally believe, the only one that can really understand that is a Christian. I know the sun's going down. But when the sun goes down and you see a sunset, I, I'll be honest with you, I have never seen blues or reds like I saw it till I got saved. And now I look at a sunset and I, I stand in awe of God. I stand in awe of him. I see how he saves people. I see how he uses circumstances in the testimonies that I heard tonight. I see how he opens up doors of opportunity to speak to people. This couple, I had a chance to meet them as they went out the door this morning uh, and so forth. It was fast, but they enjoyed it, and they were challenged by it, and it was great. They didn't actually run out the door. They took the time to introduce themselves. And I had a chance to meet with them. What brings them in here? Well, Will, no, it's God working. That's how we came into the body of Christ, right? We are to all fear the Lord. We are all to walk all the time in the fear of the Lord. Now, let's see what it looks like. Before I get there, let me just make this statement. I believe with all my heart that especially if I asked a Christian, but probably if I even asked others who are not professing Christians, do you fear the Lord, they would probably say yes. I don't think if I asked any Christian in this room, they would say, no, I don't fear the Lord at all. Of course I fear the Lord. Really? How do you know that you fear the Lord? Well, it's just something that I believe. God said, fear the Lord, and I fear the Lord. Well, that's why I wanted to have this part of the study with you. What does it look like if I fear the Lord? Is there any way of me telling Pastor Dan, is there any way of you telling whether you're really walking in the fear of the Lord? Absolutely. And the book of Proverbs is absolutely filled with the explanation. Let me give you some of them. We'll start. Number one, it's the first verse. How do I know if I fear the Lord? Do I know him? That was chapter 9, verse 10. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that, but I go back to it. Number one, one of the ways I know that I fear the Lord is if I have the knowledge of him, and because of the knowledge in him, I walk in awe of him. I walk in dread of him. That's verse 10. The fear of the Lord is where it begins, and knowledge of the Holy One is where understanding is. That was simple. That's easy. So if I have the proper knowledge of God, I can know. Two, and by the way, these aren't to be isolated. They're cumulative. What's number two? Number two, and these don't necessarily have to be in this order. I tried. I've prayed hard in fairness and honesty with you as I've studied this thing through, or how to arrange them. But the second one that I have down is if you want to know if you've got the fear of the Lord, where do you place your confidence? Where do you place your confidence? Go to Proverbs 14. And before you answer that question, look at the verse. Proverbs 14, 26. In the fear of the Lord, there is what? Strong confidence. Now, it doesn't stop there. And his children will find refuge. What does that mean? First of all, we will find strong confidence in God, not in the world not in ourselves. When I'm walking in confidence in myself, I don't fear the Lord. When I'm walking and my confidence is in my boss or the world, that's not the fear of the Lord. My total confidence is set on Him. That is why you have such verses like this. Go with me, Keep your finger here. Go with me, please, to Proverbs 28. Proverbs 28. Verse one. The wicked flee when no one's even pursuing them. But, contrast to that, the righteous are what? Bold as a lion. How in the world was David bold the way he was with Goliath, who was nine foot nine? I come in the name of the Lord. You come with spears. That's not what my confidence is. It's not the way I come. How is it that they march around a wall and a wall falls down? Well, their confidence was in their trumpets, right? No. Strong confidence was in the Lord. He was going to perform for them. And when I say perform, not at their whim, but God said something, and he was going to be true to it. If I want to know if I've got the fear of the Lord in me, if I do, my confidence is resting in him. And notice this. It says their children know it. What do they know? They find a haven. Go back to that verse, chapter 14, verse 26. And his children will have what? A haven, a refuge. What? His children were able to settle in the fact that he had confidence in God. Let me make it that practical to you. As your children watch your life as a parent, do they see that I have confidence in God and I can have refuge and be at rest because my dad, my mom, is got confidence in the Lord. They're not relying on the world. They're not relying on if they lose their job. Are they sad? Yes. Are they concerned? Yes. But I see in my parents that they're still trusting God. God's going to provide. They're still looking to God. That's where their confidence is. They still see that, and I'll give you the practicality. People have asked me this many times. How how are you, especially unsaved relatives, how in the world, when I went into the ministry, first of all, my, my uh, in-laws thought I was crazy, as well as the people I was working for. And I had that put to me, how in the world are you going to provide for your family? I don't know. But I know God's called me to do this, He's going to provide. I was hit with this by Christians many times. You're a pastor, how are you going to pay for college education? I don't know. That's the truth. I don't know. I just talked to somebody recently, they were asking me about my family, And I said, and I got one home, and then I told them the ages, and they said, four of college ages. I said, no, four that went through college. How'd you pay for it? I don't know. (laughs) That's what I said. That's the truth. It's a true story. And what is it? Was I being foolish? No, I wasn't. But I knew I had total confidence, and I think if my children were sitting right here, they'd say that that was true. I had total confidence. God is going to provide this, not because I was being foolish. Because my confidence was in Him. I knew what I was doing, and I knew I was doing what He wanted me to do. Our confidence is to be resting in God. That is where our hope is. What about you who are unsaved? Oh, not unsaved, I didn't mean that. I meant to say who are unmarried. Where is your confidence? Well, it's in the way I dress. It's well, it's in you know, my suave uh, personality. No, my confidence is in the Lord is going to provide in His timing. You don't think that's practical? Most of you, I have a wide-open life to, sometimes I I get amazed when people say, Pastor Dan, he's so hidden with his life. Are you kidding me? All of my children have been in a bubble in front of all of you. My wife and I, everybody can find out anything they want about me anytime. So don't tell me that, please. But I wanted to come back to this. You know, because I say that, That I have a daughter that just recently got married. She got married a little bit later in life. I can tell you that honestly, that's what I was saying to her over and over again. In the Lord's timing, He will bring the right person along. In His timing. Why? My confidence was in God. And be honest, when even Christian young ladies are going through college and it's getting kind of late, you know, and all of a sudden they're getting kind of old, you know, it's like, and old to them is like 22. But again, uh, again, you know, I haven't found a husband. Well, in God's timing, in God's timing, confidence needs to be in the Lord. It's a very practical thing. While you're there, because I want to go to another verse in Proverbs on something else to really connect to that, Psalm 147, I will read to you. It's not the whole Psalm, but Psalm 147. I think I want verse 11. Sometimes when I copy my notes, it's not as clear to me. I don't know how you get it, but 147, I think it's verse 11. The Lord favors those who fear him. There it is. The Lord favors those who fear him, those who wait for his loving kindness. That's waiting on him. His confidence is in the Lord. It's on what? The loving kindness of the Lord. So it looks, I'm giving you the positive right now. But part of the knowing whether or not you've got the fear of the Lord is where's your confidence? Do you know him? Here's the third one. Oh, boy, what a challenge this one's going to be. Knowing you have the fear of the Lord, one of the evidences is, uh, one of the evidences of having the fear of the Lord is, ready for this? You can sleep at night. <laughs> Amen. Go with me to Proverbs 19. Proverbs 19. What do you mean, sleep at night? This has got nothing to do with physical ailments. This has got nothing to do with getting older and the fact that you've got to get up four times in the night That's not what we're talking about. Some people know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Okay? It's not that. That isn't what we're dealing with. It is that you're satisfied with life. You're satisfied, just like Paul said, I can be content in whatever state I am. I've learned how to abound. When that happens, I sleep. When I don't have anything, I don't lose sleep over that. I might lose sleep because I'm getting older. I might lose sleep because I have to sing in a jail because my back is in pain. But I don't lose sleep over the fact that God's not in control anymore. Psalm 19, verse 23. The fear of the Lord. Here it is again. And I want you to see this. The fear of the Lord leads to life. Why? Watch. So that one may sleep satisfied. And then he says, untouched by evil. What is that? You're not worried about what's around you. Your trust is you're satisfied. You're trusting in God's sovereignty. Let me try to make it practical. What about the economy? What about my retirement program? It's just all gone down the tubes. Is that where your trust is? What happens when you you have something like that happen? Do you lose sleep over it? Sometimes we do. But the, fear, the evidence of the fear of the Lord is when a person, that's what verse 23 says, one may sleep satisfied, I'm not touched by the evil. What happens, honestly, in the world when people talk about the end of the world coming And May? I have, I have watched Christians, seriously. You know, we ought to be concerned about this date. I don't even know what the last date is now, but there was this May 20th date, and there was this date, and there was that date. I'm not concerned about those dates. God's still in control. I'm not going to lose one ounce of sleep. You know this to be true if you've been here that long. When we were changing from 1999 to 2000, there was a big to-do about Y2K, I think it was called. I forget. And I gave a message. This is a true story. I gave a message and was attacked by, I, I want to be careful. I was approached by several people about how I was really not doing justice to this assembly because I was trying to say to the assembly, Guys, guy, by the way, in 2000, when that calendar changes, God's still in control. Go to sleep. Let them worry about the computers. And I did. And we did. And it was fine. Why? God's still in control. I'm trying to make it practical. What happens when you see all these natural disasters happening and you hear, does that mean you shouldn't go into a shelter? You shouldn't protect? No, not at all. But God's still in control, folks. What happens when you get, think about how difficult it was during the war with with Hitler. Uh, When we had Osama bin Laden. Oh, I wasn't appreciative of what Osama bin Laden had done. I didn't know what was going to happen with the country. Neither did you and so forth. But I still knew God was in control. He is. And that ought to cause us, number one, to have confidence, and number two, to be able to sleep and not worry about the fact that God's lost control. Sometimes you talk to Christians and it's like God's lost control of the world. He hasn't. Proverbs says he's still got the king in his hand and he makes him go whatever way he wants. God says that when he says to the wind, stop, it stops. God says, listen to this one, When your days are fulfilled, he will take your life. I don't have to worry. Am I going to live to be 70? I have no idea. No idea. Am I going to worry about it? No. Am I going to be stupid? No. But my point is, I just rest in God. And when I say you, I I almost present it like I'm doing that. No, I don't mean it that way. I'm saying for you, for me. To know we have the fear of the Lord means, number one, we know Him. Number two, I have confidence. My confidence is in Him, not in myself, not in the world, not in my retirement program, not in the riches of this world. I'm still satisfied and I can sleep, though evil be all around me. Am I going to sit at the door at night with two shotguns pointed at the door because I feel someone's going to come into my house? No. I'm going to bed. And I'm going to trust in the Lord. Now, I'm not going to be foolish. I will lock the door. Well, why? You just... I'm not going to test the Lord. But if somebody happens to break into my home and happens to shoot me, if that's what happens, I'm still trusting that God knew everything that was happening and everything that was in control. His control. He didn't lose anything. That's what we need to do. That's just some. Next. <clears throat> if you have the fear of the Lord, you love truth and you love the knowledge of God. You have a love for the truth and a love for the knowledge of God. And by the way, I'm giving you these so you can test this in your life. Let me also make a statement here. Well, let's be honest, starting with me. I don't always have my confidence in the Lord. I don't always not lose sleep because there's things that bother me. But the point is, while we at one moment may not be walking in the fear of the Lord, it's to get us back because God wants us to walk in the fear of the Lord in all circumstances. And I recognize sometimes we don't. What do you mean he loves the truth and loves the knowledge about God? Go to Proverbs 1, verse 29 first. And then I want to give you the context. He says, because he hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. This is just the opposite. And he's speaking to his son here. All right, go go back to verse 20. Wisdom shouts out in the street. She lifts her voice in the square. The head of the noisy streets, she cries out at the entrance of the gate. The Lord basically makes his, his word known. He makes himself known. How long, O oh naive ones, will you love being simply minded? The scoffers delight themselves in scoffing. The fools hate knowledge. They turn from my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. And then he says this, because I called you refused, I stretch out my hand, <clears throat> no one paid attention, you neglected all my counsel, and did not want my reproof, that's God, the knowledge of God, that is God's word, and then he says, I'll laugh at your calamity, I'll walk when, you, when your dread comes, uh, excuse me, I'll mock when your dread comes, when your dread comes like a storm, your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish comes upon you, and that's usually when people start to run to the Lord. He says, then I will, you will call to me. I'm not going to answer. You'll seek me diligently, but you won't find me. And why is that? There's the verse. You hated knowledge. You didn't want the truth. You didn't want to know me. You did not choose the fear of the Lord. What is the fear of the Lord? It's to love knowledge. It's to listen to the reproof. It's to listen to God's instruction. That's how I know whether I fear the Lord. Do I love the truth? Do I love the knowledge about God? Do I simply receive his word, To put it that way? Look at chapter two, verse five. To get there, we already looked at verses one through four, but let's do it again. My son, if you receive my words, you treasure up my commandments within you, make your ear attentive to wisdom, incline your heart to understanding. If you cry out for discernment, lift your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver, Search for her as hidden treasure. That is somebody who diligently wants to know the truth. He said, verse 5, conclusion. Then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover what? The knowledge of God. It is knowing God. It is seeking to know him, to know more about God. It is seeking to allow God's revelation to be in your life. You say, I don't even have time to read the word of God. Where are you searching out? Where's the fear of the Lord there? Where are you searching out what God's showing you? Where are you searching it out in creation? You don't have any time for the word. You don't have any time of learning about God. You don't have any time for the truth, and you are saying you fear the Lord. doesn't line up. doesn't line up. Let me give you one more for tonight. By the way, this is the positive side, and I know some of you are already thinking. Uh, I, I feel this is such, because it's the beginning of knowledge, that's why I have... Uh, actually three messages on I've got one more to go on this. And then we'll look at some examples in Scripture, too. But I want you to be aware, because <clears throat> some of you may be thinking, there is a negative side to this. Yes, there is. And I will deal with it. Because we're getting late here tonight, I want you to realize it. I am going to be dealing with the fact that one of the evidences that you have the fear of the Lord is you depart from evil. You don't pursue it. You depart from it. But we'll talk more about that as we get there. I'm dealing with the positive. Because there is the positive and the negative in Scripture. If you want to know if you have the fear of the Lord daily in your life, is your confidence there? Are you satisfied with God's sovereignty? Do you seek to know more about him and his word? And let me give you this one. Do you walk with integrity? Do you walk rightly? Not deceptively. Turn with me to Proverbs 14 we're having a discussion in the office this week interestingly enough some of our lunches are fascinating some of them are stupid but some of them are fascinating and we get involved in you know like anybody else's lunches with these discussions and so forth but one of them was giving an update with the secret service and so forth and it was just you know there's things going on with the secret service and so forth and i'm not all current but they were saying how more and more it's coming out And as we had the discussion, you know what the bottom line was as we talked about it? It said It comes down to one word, it's integrity. Imagine the wives of these men, they go and say, by the way, what are you doing tonight? Oh, it's a secret. Yeah, I guess it was. Or it's a secret. Nobody can know what's going on. And these guys are living lives of hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. Chapter 14, verse 2. He who walks in his uprightness... Fears the Lord. But he who is devious in his ways, you not only don't fear the Lord, you despise him. Don't tell me you fear God and you don't have a life of integrity. At the time that you don't have the life of integrity, you're not fearing God. And that doesn't mean, again, I can fear God and then tomorrow I can stumble and so forth. Of course, that happens. But when that happens, you're not walking in the fear of God is the point. I walk with integrity. My life is consistent. It's not deceptive. It's not uh, devious is the word that's translated here for me in his ways. That's why I said the fear of the Lord is what? It's in your private life and it's in your public life. Nobody has to be around. And I hope you can say this with confidence. I know I can say it in confidence about my wife and I know she can say it about me. My wife doesn't have to worry about me when I'm traveling. I never worry about Linda, ever. Why? I know she's a woman of integrity. I never fear that at all. What I see is what I get and hopefully she can say the same thing about me. Hopefully your spouse can say that about you. doesn't matter. Why? Because the life is not a deceptive life. It's one of integrity. You don't put on the church clothes to come here and say, well, I'm in church, I read my Bible, now i got to pray. You walk outside the doors, you're cursing. You walk outside the doors, uh, you're getting drunk. You walk outside the doors, you're involved in adultery. You walk outside the doors, and it's like you threw the clothes off and something else happened. That's not fear of the Lord at all. Psalm 128, verse 1, let's compare it. I need to stop. But Psalm 128, verse 1. I think we get got some things tonight to challenge us. Am I walking in the fear of the Lord? Well, there's ways that we can test it. And we're not done. These are just points adding on. What are we up to? Point number 5, I think, right? Point number 5. Uh, Psalm 128, I wanted the first verse. Watch. How blessed is everyone who fears the Lord? There's the fear of the Lord. Who what? Walks in his ways. It's a life of integrity. Proverbs 14.2 put it, walks in righteousness. So I walk in the way that God wants me to walk. When I'm walking in the way that God... Why do I walk the way God wants me to walk? Why do I walk in obedience to his word? Why do I do that? Because of my fear for him. That is, I stand in awe. Why? Because I don't want to have a judgment of the Lord that comes down where it's wood, hay, and stubble. I want to please him. You see? So when I'm not walking that way, when I am deceptive, I'm not walking in the fear of the Lord. I don't have the fear of the Lord in my heart at that time. Or do you? Or I should say, nor do you. Okay? So the fear of the Lord, let's summarize it for tonight, and we'll look at, uh, I have another five, six points just on this. And then I want to also look at, actually i got more than that, I've got to look at some other things regarding some people so you can actually see how it worked in Scripture as well. Because I know, I want to know, don't you want to know? Am I walking in the fear of the Lord? Well, do I want to know more about him? Do I have my confidence in him rather than in myself? I don't mean testing him, I mean truly I'm resting in him. Am I satisfied? Am I able to not worry about all the evil that's around me? Again, not being foolish, but I'm resting in him. I'm able to sleep at night. And again, it's got nothing to do with physical ailments. I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about because I'm worrying about things like that. Do I love the truth? Do I love to know more about God and his word? And is my life a consistent walk? Is it it a walk that's walking righteously? When I'm doing that, I'm walking in the fear of God. If that's not in my life, at those moments, I am not walking in the fear of God. I have several more points. I challenge you to do this already because we have some breaks coming up in the month of May. That makes it difficult for me, so I wish you'd pray for me on that. I'm sure you do. I'm so grateful for the congregation as the way you pray. But to get this broken up where it's at is very difficult for me. Um, But nevertheless, it is what it is. Uh, but there's so many other things that point to the fact of whether I'm really walking in the fear of God that I can put to my life and you can put to your life so that we can examine. I say I fear the Lord. What does it look like? Is it real? Let's test it. All right, let's pray. Our Father and God, I pray that even with tonight's message and the few points that we looked at tonight, it would cause every one of us here who profess the name of Christ to ask if even these things are consistent in our life, Do we really love the Lord? Do we love his word? Do we love righteousness? Do we have a consistent walk? Is our confidence in him? Do we just rest so that our children can see that that's where our confidence rests? Are we able to sleep at night realizing that you're in control? Lord, you tell us that if we fear the Lord, these things will be there. And I pray that as we continue ahead, you would help us with this. So that even, indeed, as you call us, to walk in the fear of God all day long, Father, we know it is absolutely impossible, even for a professing believer, apart from the work of the Spirit of God. Help us to make that connection, even with what we're dealing with on Sunday mornings, to realize that we must rely on yielding to the Holy Spirit, on him guiding and directing our life, for there's nothing in us, even in our flesh, that would ever want to do this. But Father, it is your work in our life that's brought us to Christ and your work in our life every day that desires to put in our heart to please you. Help us to walk in the fear of God. Thank you for providing the refreshments tonight. We pray you bless our fellowship now when we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.